With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Hey folks, Troy Dooley, the host of the Beachside CEO. I'm sitting down here with just uh, some phenomenal friends this morning. We've got Scott Rogers over here, the CEO of Vitel. He is at the Grease Funds working out his own business. i got Chris Sinella, master distributor over here at Vita Cup International, plugging away at his computer. And we are just, we're really jamming. Matter of fact, I'm introducing the two of them unofficially right here on the radio show. But, you know, it's, when we're traveling like this, it's always just spontaneous, trying to cover issues, trying to cover everything. I pulled up from the archives a show that I think is a necessity. It's something that's important. And that's what we're going to be really focusing on today, and it's on credibility. You know, how you get it and how you lose it and how quickly, just just a matter of seconds, you know, it's gone. And I had, I've had some interesting comments from some people lately who have gone through the Zeke Rewards issue. I was, I was Last night I was sitting at the hockey game talking with somebody about this, and and they said, you know, all my friends, I had friends in it, and, and I talked to them about getting in it, and then it goes down. You know, Troy, do you think my credibility has gone? I said, no, it's not your deal. You didn't run the company. And there's other situations. Sometimes it's personal situations that come up, and you've got to look at that. So we're going to cover that today, and I think a, a, it's a phenomenal show from the archives on a book that I had read at the time called Credibility. And I want you guys to stay tuned and listen to this. Hey folks, Troy Dooley here. Welcome to RealMentorsRadio.com. We are in Chapter 5 of Credibility, How Leaders Gain It and Lose It, and Why People Demand It. Today it's Affirm Shared Values. I tell you, there's a book that that both James and Barry wrote, Barry Posner and Gary Coos. They're the ones that wrote this uh, book, Credibility. They also wrote the Leadership Challenge. I strongly suggest you pick that up. Because as you were going through this, if you read that, and they're both on Kindle now, you can get them, you're going to find where this goes hand in hand. You are going to be able to lead your organization better. So what's in a shared value? I mean, we're sitting here talking about credible leaders. We're talking about values. We're talking about what it means to to lead from the, the constituency that you have. What are your constituents looking for? This is perfect. It says once there was a village in Nigeria, where the people made their living by farming. The village laid in a large green valley that was lined with palm trees and bushes. Surrounding the the village were fields with crops of yams, cassavada, whatever that is, corn and other vegetables. Just beyond the field was a deep river that the villagers called Baba. The river was a friend and a provider for the people. The men used it for fishing, the women washed clothes on its bank, the children played in the water. But in the rainy season, the river overflowed and the people were fearful of its power. So at a place where the river wound beyond the fields, they built a strong dam to hold back the water. There was also a man in the village named Modup, 
which means I am grateful. Madup was a shy, quiet man whose wife had died and whose children were all married, so he had moved to the top of the mountain overlooking the valley, and he lived alone. There he had built a small hut and cleared a small piece of, of land to grow his vegetables. The people did not see Madup often, but they loved and respected him because he had a gift of healing the sick and because he was one of them. One year at harvest time, the rains were unusually heavy, but the crops had done well and there was much to do, so no one paid any a mind. As Madup stood by his house on the mountain, he noticed that the river, swollen from the rains, was straining the dam. He knew that by the time he could run down to the village to warn the people of the flood, it would be too late and all would be lost. Even as Madup watched, the wall of the dam began to break and water began to seep through. Madup thought of his friends in the village, their crops, their homes, and their very lives were in danger if he did not find a way to warn them. Then an idea came to him. He rushed to his small hut and he set it on fire. When the people in the village saw that Madup's house was burning, they said, Our friend is in trouble. Let's sound the alarm and go help him. Then, according to the custom, men, women, and children ran up the mountain to see what they could do. When they reached the top of the hill, they did not have time to ask what happened. A loud crashing noise behind them made them turn to look. Their houses, their temple, and their crops were being destroyed by the river, which had broken the dam and was flooding the valley. Now the people began to cry and moan at their loss. But Madup confronted them, or comforted them. He said, don't worry, he said, my crops are still here. We can share them while we build a new village. Then all the big people began to sing and to give thanks, because they remembered that in coming to help a friend, they had saved themselves. That is shared value. They put aside what they were doing. They rushed to the mountain to help Madup. And yet he said, here, I'm willing to sacrifice my hut and we'll still have my crops. See, when you think about this, you never know when a crisis might arise in the community or the organization and when you will be called on to exercise leadership. But if you do it in shared values, then everybody starts to see it. See, if, if the other members in our organization have the same shared key values, then they will know what to do under stressful situations also. See, this is why it's important that as leaders we build consensus around the shared values. Everyone in the organization needs to understand the fundamental benefits that direct decisions and actions and the principles that are used to resolve the inevitable conflicts that arise in business and life are all about. See, credibility isn't just personal. It's not just having clear personal values. It's about having affirmed, shared values, where everybody understands the direction that everybody's supposed to be going. So how can it make a difference? And maybe in some ways you're saying, man, I do some of this already. And that's awesome. That means you're, on, you're already on the start. See, shared values are the foundation for building productive, genuine working relationships. 
It's how you grow. I have a handful of clients. I, I don't take more than 12 clients at any given time. I do not believe that I can overwork and, and, and take care of the masses, so I focus on advocacy work, I focus on my blogs, and I focus on a maximum of 12 clients. Right now I only have eight, and one of them's taking up most of my time. But I give them the undivided attention, and here's why. I handpick my clients, and we have shared values. I know that they love direct selling. I know what they're trying to accomplish. I know the the purpose in their companies. And I make that my own. See, when you have that foundation, then all of a sudden, you're able to move forward. You're able to grow. The guys write this. Each and every member of the organization certainly has unique needs, and leaders attend to those. But to function as a unit, team members must have a strong sense of values and norms that bind them together. Now, that's, that is huge. I mean, really huge. See, in the military, this is what we do. This is normal to us because we create little units. And those units go out and we fight. There are squads. We're part of a bigger unit. We all have those shared values. It's the only way to make it happen. Sadly, in business, though, competition. We call it friendly competition when it's between team members. But that competition can screw things up. See, sometimes the competition can get so strong that the shared values go out the window. And that's what we don't want to happen. Shared values are the internal compass that enables the team to act independently and interdependently. The shared values provide groups with a common reference for making the decisions and taking action. See, if everybody knows what those shared values are, if we all are moving in that right direction, then that provides us the guidance. Here's the other thing it does. It provides guidance during critical incidents. Remember I talked the other day about constructive controversy. Sometimes you're going to have that constructive controversy that's going to be moving through the organization. And you have to be able to deal with that. When you have shared values, then everybody understands this. Matter of fact, Dave Ramsey talked about this in Entre Leadership. We don't just sit around whining and moaning, dull, negative, disillusioned, crybaby crap. We don't do that. We focus specifically on critical issues at hand. That's what affirming those shared values do. This isn't about leaders deciding what the values are either. This is everybody coming together. And you may say, Troy, it's a network marketing company. It doesn't work that way. It does to a certain degree. And we're going to get into that in a second. See, organizations benefit from shared values because team members are more motivated when they believe that their values and the organization values align. When I see top leaders leave companies, usually it's because the values of the company and the leadership aren't in the line. Burke Hedge is one of my new friends, phenomenal leader, 
in direct selling. Had his contract terminated and his distributorship taken away at Life Vantage. Life Vantage's new leadership, their core values are different than Burke's. So he's moved in a different direction. Not at his own doing, that they're doing, but that's what happens. It's, it's not, hey, we're going to be okay, everybody's going to be happy. It doesn't work that way. All of a sudden, when people start to leave, when people start to be stretched, when a company says you're gone, most of the time that's what it has to deal with. See, we discussed yesterday in Chapter 4, leaders who share the company's values and who experience congruency between their personal values and the company's report significantly more positive attachment to their work and the company. I had this at Primerica. Now, I had it more at A.L. Williams before it became part of Citigroup. But the core foundation, the values of providing hope and opportunity to middle America, providing a, a way for fathers and mothers to protect their families and to leave a, a financial legacy, was something that I still believe in. That's why my life insurance is still with Primerica. That's why I still own stock in that company. You could, you could talk all day long about how bad Primerica was, but I knew the facts, and I could sit there and debate an insurance agent, not bad-mouthing their company, just asking specific facts and making them make a decision. See, this is the key. And it's even bigger today than it was in the 90s, the 80s, when I was with Primerica. See, with, with more and more companies decentralized, pushing the, the, the decisions down, with more and more companies having em, employees and team members working out of the house. This isn't just for independent contractors anymore. We have to have those shared values. See, while leaders must honor functional, technical, and cultural differences, they also need to be confident that there are some core beliefs that everyone will respect and respond to. That's why you find that common ground. It's funny, John Gardner, who's a leadership scholar and, and actually advised six different presidents, wrote this. The goal is not to achieve wholeness by suppressing diversity, nor to make wholeness impossible by enthroning diversity, but to preserve both. Each element in the diversity must be respected, but each must ask itself sincerely what it can contribute to the whole. I thought, wow. See, the goal here is to treat each other with respect and dignity and to understand each other's diverse personalities while all of us fighting for the end game. The guy's right. They say one of the most common mistakes leaders make is to announce which values are most important and then expect people to follow. They go off on this cholesterol retreat, talk only to each other, draw up a set of values, write them down, distribute them to everybody, and then expect everybody to buy into it. May have worked in that old rank and file. Remember the command and, and control hierarchies. But it doesn't get done that way anymore. See, now you've got to cast the vision. You've got to share 
And here's what you've got to understand. Once you put the, 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 the vision out there, once you put the values out there, once everybody gets gets their input, there's going to be people that are going to leave and say, I don't want to be a part of this. That's a good thing. Don't try to keep them around. You want them to push on. You want them to leave. You don't want it to set here. But here's some questions. Once you've created the culture, once you say, here's what the tribe's doing, now you need to to ask some very heartfelt questions to the constituents. And if you're, you're listening right now, write this down. How does the vision fit your personal vision, what you stand for? What do you like about the vision? What does it do for you? What concerns you? What's missing from the vision? And what would you like to change if you could suggest a change to the vision? Now you're getting buy-in. You're getting input from people. You're not dictating. You're building. This is so important. See, creating a company where everyone can contribute, really contribute their best, what they feel is most important, will increase the long-term success of both them and the company. You're going to retain better people. You're going to, you're going to attract better people. If you don't do this, though, you're going to have high attrition rates. See, one of the reasons right now that we're seeing a shift in direct selling is because the new companies that are being run by the millennials are starting to understand we got to have buy-in at all the levels. We can't just dictate what's going to happen. The older companies are still fighting this a little bit. I call this building a trusting community. You have to build a community of trust. And you may say community doesn't sound very business-like. It's probably not. But I just think it's a good metaphor and so do the guys. They write, by invoking the metaphor of community, we imply that we are in business, that we in business are bound by a fellowship of endeavor in which we commit to mutual goals, in which we commit to the best of our abilities, in which each contribute, uh, contribution is recognized and credited, in which there is a forum for all voices to be heard, in which our success contributes to the success of the common enterprise and to the success of others, in which we can disagree and hold differing viewpoints without withdrawing from the community, in which we are free to express how we feel as well as what we think, in which our value to society is directly related to the quality of our commitment and effort, and in which we take care of each other. See, in the old days, people wouldn't say anything. They were afraid they'd get terminated. They'd get fired. In today's world, everybody has a voice. This is not Iran. You've got to let people talk. You've got to let them share. Because the odds are you've got a lot of knowledge, but you're not going to have as much wisdom in all areas as other people might. And by working in tandem, by listening to others, 
you're able to build something stronger and more powerful and long-lasting than the command and control type. See, creating that community, and, and Seth Godin, I, I mentioned this yesterday, talks about this in Lynchpin. It creates community. When you, pro when you provide shared values and you develop the appreciation of all the diversity, you build something greater than you ever realized. You build a trusting community with open lines of communication. And when you do that, the sky's the limit on where you can go and what you can do. In other words, it creates a win-win situation. And that win-win situation becomes the center point. It becomes an, an, advoca an advocating of cooperation, authentic cooperation of building community instead of this competition mindset that rips apart the very walls of the community. We're all here for a common purpose. If you're listening to the radio show, we all have the same common purpose. We want to change the financial and health li healthy lives of our families. We don't want our families to die of, of a young age. We don't want them to be financially destitute. We want them to live an enjoyable, abundant life. To do that, you have to have shared values. You have to build that community. The guy's right. Where there is community, leaders and constituents assist each other by sharing resources and expertise. Integrate different points of view and ideas to solve problems. Discuss issues to reach mutually satisfying agreements. Show initiative. Consult with others. And follow proper procedures. And in all the research that's been done that proves this is more advantageous, there are still teachers in the classroom, professors in the colleges, business owners dictating competition. We've got to change that. There are several reasons. First, individual as well as organizational success generally depends on sharing resources efficiently. Always has, always will. It's impossible for people to feel like they're working against each other and still share resources. It just doesn't work. Second, competition generally does not promote excellence. Trying to do well and trying to beat others are simply two different things, period. In the military, we would go out there and we would compete against our personal best. Now, as units, we were still out there cranking, wanting to beat the scores, but you know what would happen in the middle of an obstacle course we wouldn't let nobody stay behind, so we were helping the other team too, even if it took score off of us. Because we knew in the end it was a benefit to all. If the team wins, we win. If you win, the team may not win. It just doesn't work that way. See, I believe people really do want to help each other. Despite what you see on TV, on the reality shows and all that garbage... Deep down inside, people do like helping people, period. We don't like rejection. We just like helping people. And see, your actions as a leader are critical to finding common ground and creating community. However, listen to what the guys say here. They can be undermined if shared values are not affirmed through collective 
institutional actions most typical in everyday organizational policy systems and programs. This is why I tell company owners all the time, don't allow a bunch of outside, outside marketing systems. You need to control the message from the top down. You need to get your leaders to come in. They need to buy into it. Each of them need to have their personality as, as a part of it. Each of them can take their own little piece of it, but it has to be controlled by the company. Otherwise, you get a lot of chiefs. They all have different shared values on their teams, and nobody's working in tandem. That's why you see good companies fall instead of becoming great companies. See, the ethic that shared values make a difference has a part, has to be a part of the organization's living culture. You have to have those shared values. Orrin Woodward and Chris Brady and their policies and procedures uh, are pretty stout on some things. When you actually look at what happens if you want to be on their internal policy board, I forget what they call it now, there are some things you have to agree to, not having an affair. Not overindulgence in alcohol and, and acting stupid and, and all this crap. Well, at first I thought, man, what the heck is this stuff? And then I realized the deeper I went into studying credible leadership, that having that structure reinforces shared values. See, if people, men or women, are not happy and they're planning on having an affair, they probably aren't going to make it to the advisory board at, at, at team or life or whatever Orrin calls it. Now, there's other companies that that wouldn't matter, and those people may be able to go over there and flourish. I remember at A.O. Williams, man, there was no alcohol ever at an event. Matter of fact, I remember when Primerica took over and we did our deal in Vegas, the showgirls came out, and some of them didn't have tops on because that's how they are in Vegas. And, man, Art got right up on stage, even though he didn't own the company anymore, and he cut that crap short. Shared values. So how do you make sure that you're creating this? In the last few minutes of this show, here's what we need to do. Number one is in your recruiting. You need to recruit and tell people right off the bat what the shared values are, what it is you're trying to enforce, what are the key points, why are you different. When you're interviewing them with your upline, and it's that orientation process, the same thing rings true. You're talking about the shared values. This is our culture. This is what we believe in. This is why we're doing what we're doing. If you can't be a part of this, then don't come on board. You'll just get yourself hurt. You won't be happy. Your, 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 the recognition programs that you put together need to be congruent with your shared values. Recognize and promote people for what they do that in, enhance those shared values. You have to get action. The values and the priority of the organization are what should be rewarded. Not just he's a good old boy, she's a cute girl, none of that crap. They get promoted based on what they did. They don't get promoted based on what they didn't do. The guys write it this way. Promotion should reflect the strength of the team member's commitment to the organization's values as well as their technical competence. Much, as much as training should clarify an organization's values as well as build technical skills. All of your training should make them an expert in their field. 
It should be building upon what the company's about, and they need to be an expert, an authority. Now, here's something else that's important. If you do this right, then you will find that you'll be building up leaders out of the constituency. And those leaders will respond to tough times faster and more proficient because of those shared values. That's what happens when we do it right. This is what happens when we really rock it out. At the same time, you've got to be willing to recognize that there are going to be some differences. There are going to be things that shared values won't fix. You just they're just people are different. And the only way that you can break through that, the only way to get into an agreement is to realize it's okay if it's not your idea. It's okay if it doesn't meet your needs. It's okay even if it might embarrass you a little bit because it's new and and it's out of the way. And it even may be because they're asking too much too fast. But if you take the time to build the agreement, then little by little, people will say, I'm in or I'm not. And when the values do collide, you'll be able to talk through to see, hey, can we fix this? We've got to confront it. We've got to work through it. This is where that constructive uh, uh, controversy comes in, but we will work through it. But you only get that when you've built community based on shared values. So what do we learn on today's show? Write this down. These are the key points. To gain and sustain leadership credibility, leaders build consensus and commitment around the shared values. Second thing we learned is credible leaders enable people to see themselves as part of a community in which survival and success depends on a shared understanding of and commitment to common purpose and principles. Third thing is shared values are the foundation for building productive and a genuine working relationship. Credible leaders create a cooperative community community in which people appreciate that everyone's interests are best served by working together. We see this a lot in rural America in the farming community. Shared values can only be sustained through reinforcement built into everyday organizational policy systems and programs. And lastly, credible leaders confront and help people resolve inevitable value dilemmas. Man, this is great. I'm excited. Tomorrow, we're going to be in Chapter 6, Develop Capacity. Now, this is going to be a good one here. Folks, live life like it's an epic adventure. I'll see you at the top. Be back here with me tomorrow morning for RealMentorsRadio.com. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.